welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. You know who he is. That's right. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevenich. And it sucks to be Ethan Winters. Episode 234 today, July 29th, 2021. We're going to be dispensing with the pleasantries and going right into our topic of the day, which is the Resident Evil Village Review. And there is absolutely no need to like, you know, <laughs> look at the detailed section or fast forward to anything because we're going to get right into it. On the one caveat, the one disclaimer I do have is make sure you bite that subscribe button or maybe pour some Kim fluid over that notification bell. That way you won't miss a single episode of Joygasm, which, by the way, drops once per week. And having said that, Steve, congratulations on defeating Mother yeah. Miranda and thus concluding the chapter of Resident Evil Village. Yeah, I guess of Ethan also. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think so either. I, I don't it. think so either. Capcom did say the father's story has ended. Mm. Typically, mm-hmm. when that happens, he ain't coming back, Russ. Indeed. Indeed. Well, in... When uh, uh, <laughs> we're going right into spoilers, FY to the eye, in yeah. case you have not played this game. That's right, Russ. But that's okay. We'd like to live on the edge like that. When it comes to that particular little chestnut, I am a little um, almost feeling yes. a sense of regret that I never played Resident Evil 7 because Ethan Winters was also in Resident Evil 7. Sure. So that is a little bit, I love a, I feel like I did a slight, I slighted the character a bit because after going through what I went through with him in, in RE Village, it's like, oh man, this is like the second half of, of his character journey. Well, I think Resident Evil Village compelled me or is compelling me to play Resident Evil 7 actually because I had passed by that game. I wasn't really interested in, uh, in, in picking that one up. Uh, but after seeing what had happened with this one, um, I don't know. I, there is some interest there just maybe to find out some of the backstory of Ethan, of the family, how that actually ended. Oh, sure. And I mean, that's basically the only kind of reason that I have, but, um, but anyhow, RE Village was amazing. It was very, very good. It was a breath of Cold, fresh air. Mm. Old town, cold, fresh air, Russ. And the winter time. Winter time. Winter, and you are Mr. Winters. I, I think there is a method to the madness there, Steve. Hmm. Absolutely. I wonder if Capcom meant to do that. or. Um, oh, I'm sure they did. Perhaps. Left no stone unturned. So one thing that I um, been tossing around in my noodle is from from Resident Evil Two onward, we've been playing as these characters we've all come to know, correct, and love Jill Valentine, mm-hmm. Claire Redfield, Chris Redfield, mm-hmm. Leon mm-hmm. Kennedy. <laughs> 
think it's his last name. Oh, you get a little cobwebby uh, on the, the cast? Yeah, I think it's Leon Kennedy. Um, anyhow, For shame. So we've been playing one of them throughout the series. This one, well, and last one too, or Ethan, but I, I have heard that Chris makes an appearance in Resident Evil 7. And that's why Ethan recognizes him in Resident Evil 8. I figured as much. And so, but we only play as as Chris for a minute. Okay. And that's all we have of Chris. So we know he's back there. We don't know what part he's playing, but we're playing as Ethan. And Chris is just kind of there for, I'm not going to say fan fiction, but I mean, just, you mean fan service? Well, maybe fan service is, is more like it, but like Capcom kind of almost in a sense threw him in there just to be like, hey, remember him? He's from the series, but you're not going to play him. And so then we play through the whole game uh, with maybe just like 2%, 1% of, of Chris and and all of Ethan. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I really feel about that. I mean, I, I, I on one hand, I think, well, if we're going to play as Ethan and we haven't had a main character die ever... Except for Barry and Resident Evil 1. I liked Barry. Which is very sad. Poor Barry. Barry's a good man. Mm. Anyway, we haven't had a main character die. And now we are the main character and now we're dead. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of grappling with it a little bit. I don't know. I, can, I either want to continue playing as Ethan through more Resident Evils. Or I think they should have made Ethan like a maybe a beginner character and then have you play as Chris. Well, and I think what you're describing has to do with the fact that you you never played Resident Evil 7, and I haven't either. Right. But I think had you... I play the demo. <laughs> that's, that doesn't count. But like, had you had gone through that whole roller coaster ride, and I, I watched uh, someone else on YouTube play through Resident Evil 7, and it is, it is a freaky game for sure. I do think that perhaps you would feel more satisfied with where Ethan ended up in this game, because Ethan to me, like, I mean, I enjoyed playing um, the character Ethan, um, but I, I never really felt like he was one of the mainstays, if that makes any sense. Like it was one of those things where like, if you think of, of the characters you listed, like Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine or Leon, those are like the main staples of resident evil versus someone like Ethan, who I feel like he inadvertently stepped into the world that is resident evil and became a victim of that world. It's almost like like the characters that continue to survive, it's almost like a blessing and a curse for them where like they're like, I don't understand. Why am I still alive? How is this possible? And you can tell how even Chris in this game, he's so grizzled, you know, like like he's he's seen too much. He's just he just wants to be rid of it for once and for all, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. So when it comes to, to that type of scenario, I think it is fascinating to, to look at and experience someone like Chris who you do actually get to take control of briefly, which I think is very satisfying because once again, he comes from like that, that main staple of characters that we've known for decades. And I think it acts as a tool to like, just tie in both resident evil seven and resident evil village to the overall resident evil series and canon simply because it's such a departure from what we've come to know and love about the resident evil series. True. Although if you, I'm going to throw another wrench in the machine here, but (laughs) you could also say that like 
Chris and everyone else has been in this series hunting down everybody from Umbrella for the longest time. And maybe it's time to throw in some new blood for once. Maybe have a new character that is going to be part of the Resident Evil series instead of continuing, you know, yep, these four people just can't get away from it. They're always going to have zombies. They're always going to be part of Umbrella. They're always hunting them down. You know, uh, maybe some new blood. Maybe some new character went out and this new series of Resident Evil would be a good thing. And I think that's what they're doing, honestly. Like, if you look at Ethan Winters and you look at his wife, um, you even look at what they did with Resident Evil 7, which, I, I mean, I know neither one of us have, have played the game, but they took a very conscious new direction with that that's totally different from what we've come to see. And really, when it comes to those characters that you listed... They don't really, I mean, it's like, you, like in the first game, you had a bunch of them, right? You had Chris, you had Barry, like you said, who passed away. You have uh, Jill, who was there. Um, you even had, who was that guy with the, the, the sunglasses? Didn't he die? Or did no, he, that was that was actually the bad guy. That was Albert Wesker. Wesker, that's Yeah, right. but you did have Rebecca also. I remember Rebecca, yes. Mm. Um, and then after the first one, then the second game takes place with, Leon, who I don't think was in the first game, was he? No. So you have a new character being introduced in Resident Evil 2, Leon. But then they also brought Jill, who was... Or Claire. Or I'm sorry, Claire. So, I mean, that's a great example right there. So in the second game, they introduced two completely brand new protagonists that we hadn't seen before. And then in Resident Evil 3, Jill makes a return. um, Jill Valentine. And so I don't know... I can't remember, like, if you came across cameos of some of the other original crew. I mean, I in Resident Evil three, I think you, I don't remember if, if one of the new characters came in, but I know there's correspondence going back and forth between the characters. Okay. So, I mean, I, that's what I remember. I could be wrong with. What I find interesting though, is how not since Resident Evil one, have we seen all of these protagonists band together as a team again? And honestly, I mean, this, this is someone who like, I mean, I've watched him play through with all the other resident evil titles. I'm chomping at the bit to have kind of a, a, what do you call it? Like, like a, what do you call it? When you go back to your high school after 10 years reunion reunion, I was going to say a reunition. And I was like, that's not a word. <laughs> a reunited nation. <Yeah. laughs> but that's honestly what I would love to see because what we have witnessed up until this point is like in Resident Evil 4, who's the main protagonist? Leon. Okay, so Leon comes back from Resident Evil 2. Who's in Resident Evil 5? Uh, I think I... Gee, Chris. Probably Chris. I think. But again, I mean, that just proves my point how it's like they're not reusing the same group of protagonists in every single game. Like they may pick like, oh, I'll cherry pick that character and let's see what they go through and that sort of thing. But honestly, I one of the things I really cherished about watching you play the first Resident Evil game was that you actually had a group uh, who were who trying to survive together. And even though you pretty much, I mean, I think you alternated between a couple of those characters. But for the most part... 
you had like like other characters that you would perhaps like run into in different parts of the mansion or they would sure. have like tips for you or they would like have some sort of weapon or whatever it is. And some of them, like you said, like Barry, for instance, you know, he died off. I just really appreciated that particular dynamic. Right. And so I, for one, would love to see like, I mean, imagine like a next gen version or, or, or not even a version, but like a next gen sequel to Resident Evil, you know, original story continues where the last one left off, but then you actually have like a lot of those those members of the the OG crew because I mean, you and I have both been loving the next gen treatment to all of these beloved characters. Right. Yeah. Well, one thing also that I, I think the Resident Evil Village took a breath of, of fresh air, which was very new, uh, was that they introduced the daytime outside yes. dynamic. And I thought, man, that's a welcome relief because either you're you you can't escape the darkness of night when you're outside. Like it's just dark and it's you know stuff's on fire and you're either running through the city or you're outside, but only for a, a split second and you're running back inside, or you're in a mansion or yep. you're in a laboratory. Um, and it just it it feels like here we are again. I want to get out. I want something completely different. And one and that that was what I was really thankful for was hey it's we're outside it's daytime it's uh, like it's dawn I guess mm. I mean it's early in the morning. Well, and, you, if you begin the game, it's actually nighttime, and then by the time you finish the game, it's gotten to like basically sunset again. But like I mean, like as you're playing through the game, I mean you go through morning and noon and then the afternoon. Like it, it's interesting to see the sun peeking up over the, the horizon there. Yeah. Well, I think it, I don't know if it happens. I think it happens early in the morning, like the wee hours in the morning before the sun comes up, I think, because uh, it's not just like midnight. I think, you know, cause he's putting his right. kid up to, to bed. Sort yeah. It's probably like four in the morning or something. Uh, but so, we get we we get into this town and we actually have people. Well, I should say, let me all backtrack. We do come across other people in previous Resident Evil games, so this is not the first time. Um, this is the first time in my playthrough that is not including Resident Evil Seven that somebody comes right up to the camera and starts talking to me and I have like interaction with them and either they pass or, uh, or they, you know, they, they escape or whatever. And so that was also very cool. Um, man. So anyway, I know I kind of digressed a little bit, but the outside, <laughs> let me backtrack. The outside was just a welcome relief. Did you like being outside or do you prefer like the indoors mansion night? Honestly, I love the whole game. I, I thought it was, <laughs> If I were to to think of or say like let's let's focus on just the environments themselves, they really did a bang up job with the sheer variety of environments. So you had like what you're talking about, where like you start out in the dark, you're stumbling through the snow, you don't know where you are, and then you come across this village, and by that point it's daybreak, you know, it's it's early in the morning, that sort of thing. But I think what is worthy of kudos to the Capcom team is the fact that they were able to make daytime scary. Right. And I think that that is actually a unique challenge just because when it comes to, like what you said, like like a lot of the classic Resident Evil titles, you have, you know, you're, you're, you're tried and true, you know, you, you have your nighttime sequences, you have your, your 
torrential downpour, right? Of, of rain that's constantly just, just going down, which is great. It's like, it's awesome for um, having like, like uh, crazy atmosphere and, and really awesome mood. Um, or like you said, you're in some sort of laboratory or mansion or something of, of that nature, which again is all well and good. But I think what's super refreshing about this particular title is you can tell that they, they wanted to push themselves and figure out like how they can make new areas creepy. So like, you know, you have, um, like, like the, like you said, like, like you have the outdoor village that is dilapidated. You could tell it's been ransacked and attacked multiple times. It's barely holding on. You also have other areas like you actually have the castle itself, which again, it pays homage to what we've come to know and love from Resident Evil. And I, I welcome that because it kind of reminded me a little bit of the first game, right? Without rebuilding the exact same place. It was definitely an original place. And even with Lady Dimitrisk with her three daughters, uh, those were completely new types of enemies that behave differently. You had to engage differently. And then when it came to some of the other environments like, like with the swamp and with the, 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 the water kind of areas that we'll talk about in just a bit. Um, that was really cool to see the reservoir setting. And then like, you know, you, you have that like house, that spooky house on the hill kind of thing that is this whole, um, completely psychologically damaging situation. But again, it, it, it is a new type of, setting for Resident Evil that perhaps maybe you would see something like that in Silent Hill or some of the other types of survival horror games, but you never really saw in Resident Evil. And then, I mean, let, let's talk about um, the the huge catacombs of, of the factory that you have to go through as well. So like there, there's just a, a lot to enjoy and drink in visually speaking when it comes to the environments that I feel like, I mean, again, you're the one who's seen more. So I'm just going off of what I've seen. But to me, it strikes me as like these brand new types of, of places, um, which I think was probably a, a breath of fresh air for the developers. Yeah. Um, when we were playing the, the demo, the maiden, was it maiden's, uh, what did they call the demo? It was like, I don't know. It's just Resident Evil maiden. Just maiden. I was going to say yeah. the maiden voyage. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I thought once we got into the mansion, like, oh, we're in another mansion again. But I was I was taking in all of the the visual splendor of what the capability of, of the next gen system could do. And and I think we were playing on uh, the PlayStation PS5. Yep. I think it was. And so then the mansion didn't seem really all that bad. Um, I didn't want to be indoors again. I didn't really want I've already been in the mansion. I don't want to go in another mansion. I don't know about something else, but uh, all the graphics were were just totally incredible. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know what I, I think they should have uh, done? I probably probably didn't because the games have to be on, um, you know, the family of, of different systems, you know, PS4, PS4 Pro, PS5, Xbox, you know, so, so forth. But what have been really cool is if they had some environmental effects in there as well. So if like you're in the middle of this heavy snowstorm and you're trying to you know, kind of make your way through following a path, but you can't see what's in front of you because of the thick snow. Or if uh, there's a, a windstorm, not really a windstorm, but a high wind, the weeds and the trees are blowing back and forth and you can't see what's there and something you know jumps out at you. That would have been cool too. Because right, as it is, 
we had to get used to new enemies, which we got to talk about also. Mm -hmm. um, but we've never had environmental effects play into the game either. And I think that would introduce a whole different level of scary also. Sure. Well, and I think too, because they have a, this new engine, this RE engine that they've been pushing now, I think that they have gotten comfortable with it to the point where maybe in future versions of the game, like they'll start to maybe explore that for sure. Hopefully. A question I have for you that I wrote down in my notes here is I'm, I'm curious to know, was there anything that you felt was missing in this game from previous Resident Evil games or not? What was missing? Um, you don't have to say anything. Like if you felt like there was nothing missing, then fine. But if, I'm, I'm just curious, was there a particular gameplay mechanic? Was there some sort of like, uh, like RE tradition that was missing that well, for you or not? I will say um, that, well, there, there's, there's two things, but it's not necessarily bad that it was missing. One is the absence of a bunch of different kinds of cranks that you have to use. Because in Resident Evil's previous, you're like, oh, you got to get across that bridge, but uh, you got to look for the diamond crank, not the square <laughs> crank. What are you going to do? You know, I'm just going to sit there carving and trying to make it the right shape. Or the circle crank or the hexagon. Nope. Got to have the hexagon. Because oh, you just keep on searching to find. So there was a very limited amount of that. Yes, you had to find like the the well wheel, like to, you know, but that kind of made sense. Um, yes, you did have to have a find a crank, but it was you know only, you only lose use like three four times maybe. Yeah, there, there's like a crank that you use on well a couple of the drawbridges, and then there's another type of crank that you use on the wells. Right, but I, I can't rem recall anything else. There were some mechanical doors that you had to to crank yeah. and like windmills and whatnot. But in terms of my question though, I'm more curious about things that you personally missed. Like, oh man, I wish this was in the game from other Resident Evil games. Well, that led me to my second point, which was the the storage bin. So oh. in other storage bins, uh, or <laughs> in other storage bins, you found some. <laughs> anyway. Well, in other Resident Evils, it's like you have a footlocker. Like it's well, way bigger. It's I mean, you could you 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 can store people. It was infinite, there. wasn't it? I think it was. You had you there was no like, way you could store everything in there. Well, like you had like your 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 personal inventory, right? So like you could only carry a finite amount of items. But as long as you got to one of the safe rooms. I think it was like an infinite amount of slots that you could there put was, stuff in. There, it might have been infinite, but I, I remember cycling through it and eventually you would start over again. But anyhow, there was like tons of room in there. You could yeah. never fill it up. And so partly I do miss that in a sense, not 100%, but I got to the point where I'm like, I'm carrying around all this crystallized skulls and crystallized <laughs> hammers and stuff that would just weigh like 500 tons. And then I can't carry like seven more handgun bullets. I'm like, I cannot, mm, you know. So in like in Resident Evil 1, the handgun bullets would, ju would, would just take up like two spots in your little inventory. And so if you kept on getting more, more handgun bullets, it would be like seven, 14, 20, 25, you know, up to 150. And it would still take those two spaces. Mm. Uh, and you could still store other stuff like first aid med and herbs and, and whatever and cranks. <laughs> <laughs> so and you could still store it. So when you, if you needed it, you can come back to it, but you'd have to lug it around everywhere. 
And so this, the, the menu system is a little bit different, but it, I just kind of thought, man, I can't carry just one Magnum bullet. I can't find like an empty pocket. I remember saying this earlier, but I can carry all this tons of garbage with me at somehow <laughs> lugging it around. So I, in a way I did miss it. Um, so I, 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 it didn't ruin the game for me, but I just thought, you know, they, they probably should have it. Yeah. Make, make a deal with the Duke. Maybe, you know, store some of this stuff. I'm, pa- I'm the only, I'm the only like, you know, customer you have in this place. Like, can you <laughs> yeah. just store some stuff here? That wagon looks real <laughs> spacious back there. I know you're kind of a heavy set dude, Man. but I have a feeling you got some, uh, some space there. You mind if I just, I don't know. I'm not spending money on anything else. Can I pay you to store it yeah. for a bit? Like, you know, storage fee. Uh, there's there's no self-storage places I found around here. <laughs> I was going to put it in the outhouse back there, but, you know, you should see it. <laughs> Pretty bad. The lichens, they're uh, taking uh, quite a lot of dumps in there. Another question I had for you is, can you tell me what is the one aspect of the game that you love the most? And... Is there one particular thing about the game that would qualify as something that you hated about the game? I would have to say what I love most is the change from the enemy type, from endless zombies and just mutated creatures to this, uh, you know, the, the lichens and the vampires. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a crazy welcome relief because yeah. I did not want to go back. We, we've, we've been through this adventure through like six Resident Evils. Like, we know what a zombie is. We know, you know, that Umbrella is terrible. We keep finding ourselves in, lo- in locales where Umbrella just you know, reaches out and, and infects. So let's do something different. Right. And so... Having all new enemies, um, pretty much. I mean, there were some zombies, but they were different. They were like crazy different. So that was a, a very, very welcome relief. Um, I would say the, the parts that I, I don't know about hated. I didn't really hate anything. And that's totally fine. Like, And that's something that I think speaks to the game is that if there's nothing that, that you couldn't stand that you, that you hated... There's no right or wrong answer here. You you can say actually there was nothing I hated about the game. I would say there was some stuff that I kind of rolled my eyes at. Um, but that's not hating though. Yeah, it's not hating. That's more of a eh, whatever. Yeah, I would I would say I would have a lot of whatever kind of reactions to certain points of the game. But I didn't. I won't say that I hated anything. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good, Steve. Well, well, I'll toss it back to you then. Oh, thank you. I like it when you ask me not, questions. Not playing Resident Evil mm. pretty much at all. Mm-hmm. What did you like about the game? I mean, you've played other first-person shooters. Yeah. And so this is also first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you like about the game? And... I don't know about hate. I don't think you hated anything. I would say, what did you like most about it? And then what did you dislike most about it? There is a lot of things that I like about this game. As far as I'm concerned, it's one of my favorite games of the year so far, which I mean, it is not, I mean, and this is, this is not to discount the effort and the quality put into this game, but really we haven't, seen a ton of releases yet this year of games but 
I still think it, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I could have easily played this game and came to a decision where I'm like, eh, this is like a subpar game, whatever, you know, just get on with it. But that's not the case at all. Like this, this is a game that um, I think is, is absolutely fantastic. I think when it comes to my favorite aspect or the, the thing that I love, I think I'm with you in the sense that um, because again, I, I didn't actually play any of the, the, the previous resident. Well, I've played some of the, the remakes of resident evil two and resident evil three. Well, not even, well, yeah, I did a little bit of resident evil three, but you've been the, the one who's been playing it. I've been the one who has been just watching and enjoying, you know, eating my popcorn and screaming along alongside you. Having said that, I have seen how obviously the majority, the gross majority of enemy types are zombies. And it makes perfect sense because that's what Resident Evil is based on. However, I absolutely loved what they did with the sheer variety of enemy types. You had your lichens, you had um, just kind of different undead types that were kind of around the bowels of the castle. You even had some different types of undead that would uh, come out of the of the soil, the ground, which was really cool. And more so, what what I thought was super cool was um, the bosses. And I know we'll get into them in more detail in just a minute, but. I just got to say, like, typically when, when I watched you play previous Resident Evil games, there really wasn't like a nice variety of different types of bosses you'd have to take on. They, usually there would be like kind of one main boss, maybe two, maybe like a mini boss and then, and then like a real boss or something like that. This was really cool in the Resident Evil world where you had um, several different types of bosses. I mean, you like, we've already touched on three, the three daughters, Lady Dimitrisk. We also had uh, Moreau, who was like kind of like the Swamp King guy. Um, we had uh, Donna, who was the the doll woman who could get in your head and everything else. We had um, uh, Heisenberg, who was like he was kind of the the Van Helsing looking guy. We also had Mother Miranda. Uh, we had a Propeller Head, and the guys with the screw arms. Yeah, the drill arms. But, but I mean, he, they were more of, of like kind of the, the normal cronies. But again, right. those are just a variety of different types of enemies. And I got to say, like that to me was was so entertaining and fun because we, as far as I know, the first time we got to actually see what a Resident Evil game could look like when you have these very defined boss fights. And I loved how they were kind of uh, dominion over these different territories that surrounded the village. So that was probably the one thing that I did love. And there are many other things that, that I also loved about the game. I mean, the, the graphics, we, we really haven't talked too much about that, but, and it, actually you have been playing it on Xbox one. You right. have not been playing on PC or <laughs> Xbox series X. Jeez. And like, for me, like I have been playing it on Xbox series X. I have my Xbox series X hooked up to my 4k monitor. So I've really been able to experience, um, a lot of the technical merit of this game, which actually, I mean, that, that leads me to another question to you. Like how, were the graphics for the Xbox one? Well, um, I mean, not great, but I'm not going to say they were as bad as like cyberpunk or something, but uh, playing, (laughs) (laughs) playing on, on PS five was definitely different. You, you could see tons more textures. I mean, you could see just like threads in the carpet and you could see, 
wood, like the, the grain in, in, in the wood. And I mean, my goodness, you could see individual hairs without having them be jagged and kind of aliasing a little bit. Um, so on, on regular Xbox, it was, it was still a fun playthrough. You could play through without complaining, but there are definitely times where you would see textures pop in like on rocks or the snow or like, you know, sometimes you'd be, you know, go way downstairs into a basement or something. Um, I think like Moreau's, uh, area, the rocks were kind of slimy going yeah. down and it literally almost looked like Nintendo 64 type. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was pretty like... You know, they had like blotchy different, you know, areas of the rock, sure. but the rock didn't look defined. It didn't look like it was popping out at you. It didn't look like it had any texture or yeah. anything. And and so, I mean, I, I could I could be a lot more critical with it, but it didn't subtract anything from the game necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but it just led me to think, man, how beautiful would this game be if I just had a system that could that could do everything Capcom wanted to do with this game. And and not to digress, but I do think that you're missing out on a number of titles that do in fact have really impressive graphics engines that are designed for the Xbox series X and the PS five. And honestly, I don't know, like if, if you're trying to hold out, what I think is crazy is how, even if you go into like walmart.com, for example, like a PS five is being sold on there for like $945. The last time I checked, which is insane because the I think the original price point was like five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty nutty with all that's going on, and I'm just wondering when you're actually going to be able to grab one of those things. I keep suggesting eBay because at least the price is there. I mean, they're a little more expensive, but at the same time, it's like well, you can either pay a couple extra hundred dollars, or you're going to be waiting probably at least another year. And, and that's like, I know if, like for me, like I'll, I'll just wrap this about this, this thought up really quick just because <laughs> I don't want to get off topic too much here, but it's insane how like for me, like I would lose my mind because I totally, as for my personal preference, like I, like if I know this game has a better types of graphics fidelity or the engine is designed for something else, like I really wanted to do what I can in order to experience that. sure i i talked to this guy in target uh the other day my wife and i were looking for just like board games sort of thing and i already knew they didn't have any systems i mean where they usually keep them is totally empty and so i asked him how it is like in the mornings and and going forward what usually happens and he says every day in the morning like when we just open up there's a crowd of people at least five who yeah. are waiting there and they will wait to see if we get any off the truck. <laughs> and he Gosh. says that we don't even answer the phones anymore. I mean, there's no point. Best Buy doesn't answer the phones either. He's like, we're literally hiding underneath our desks. And and so he says, well, 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 I'll go out or whoever's working will go out and we'll say like, no, we have like, sorry, we didn't get any. Or we only have two. And you're like, you were here first and you were here second. You know, the rest go away. <laughs> and so, and he says like, that's how it is every single day. And then after that, no one else comes in the store and asks for it because I guess the word gets out. Who yeah. Knows? But he says it's like day in and day out, five days, seven days a week. And they don't even get told, he says, they don't get told when they're going to get any either. 
So it's not like they can t- go out and tell their buddies or put the word out on Twitter. Be like, hey, we're going to get some on Tuesday. Show up at, you know, three. Well, and that, yeah, see, I think that they actually have the right idea simply because the bots that have completely saturated the online market, good luck trying to get, I mean, I, I, I even come across certain whispers online that I forward on to you saying, hey, this particular business is about to have a, a dropping of a, X number of units or whatever. But I think, I just think that that's just a fool's errand at this point. I think that your best bet is to really go to a brick and mortar location. Yeah. But anyway, back to the topic at hand. Let's talk about some audio. Okay. Audio is something that we haven't really discussed regarding resident evil village. Um, I can say for myself that I thought that the audio was fantastic. Like again, um, being in that that type of outdoor environment versus an indoor environment, you like if you're in the castle versus being in the village versus being in the swamp versus being in like the the creepy chateau place on you know next to the waterfall. By the way, that waterfall was awesome. Like, that whole composition was so cool when you go around that path and all of a sudden it reveals that setting. Sure, I bet it, I bet it looked great. I bet it looked spectacular. But anyway. Um, when it came to the audio though, I, w- I loved it. I mean, I thought all the enemies had uh, super creepy types of sounds. I love the ambient effects that would happen. Like if you hear a twig snap or you hear a rustling in the bushes or even like a, a lichen that like drops down or whatever it is. Uh, what'd you think? It took a minute to get used to because I'm playing the game <laughs> you're, early you're on. Used to- <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get my gun out already. Where is he? You know, um, sounds like they're suffering from narcolepsy. <laughs> Medicine. Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't have any sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and a really bad case of acne. Oh, man, yeah, really. <laughs> and your teeth look insanely yellow. I, I don't yeah. Know. Um, so, yeah. When I'm when I was playing the game to begin with, you know, a twig would snap, and I'm like, "Oh, how do happens? Oh yeah, what's gonna happen?" Yeah, and then you know, I would say the first like third of the game, I, I didn't know what to expect because when you're in the the castle, you know, sometimes the sisters fly up out of nowhere, or sometimes Lady Lady D. Mm-hmm. starts walking up behind you or opens a door, you know, like she's just right there <laughs> looking at you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go that way. Go that way, yeah. Uh, uh, don't, don't, don't take out the Freddy Krueger glove. Don't yeah. Me. So, but eventually, it just caught up with me where um, all these extra sounds—they're not anything. Until I, I recognized sure. the sounds the enemies would make, like you know, the, you become those, more seasoned. Like the farther you right. get into the game, yeah, yeah, that that crack in the woods—that's nothing. Yeah. yeah, don't get scared over that. That's just—that's uh, probably a deer. Yeah. Or an elk. By the way, I'm getting kind of hungry. Yeah. I'm going to go visit Fatso. <laughs> and maybe he'll cook me up something real nice. That was a thing, too. I wish I would have... I didn't I didn't know I was supposed to kill all these little animals everywhere. <laughs> because that... To, I don't remember that ever being an aspect of the game. But I'll be like, oh, there's a pig. There's a goat. Looks evil, by the way. And there's a bunch of fish. You walk over and pet it. Oh, who's the good piggy? Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to kill it? Oh. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> well, and what I think is funny is how the game designers, <laughs> they kind of caught us off, as gamers off guard. We're like, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I got to kill the animal, whatever. And so then you injure it and then it's like mad at you and it uh, charges you and you're like, ah, jeez. <laughs> but so then I had to go backtrack my steps because I, I had walked past the pigs and I had walked past the chickens sure. and I walked past the, the fish. And I'm like, oh, wildlife. That must mean the town is returning because I've yeah just completely decimated the, the enemy. You're thinking like RPG style, like when, right. you, when you've cleared out a territory yeah. and suddenly like all the farmers come back in. Yeah. Or like Ghosts of Tsushima, you know, you clear That's out right. a territory and then all of a sudden the animals return and the people are back doing like a marketplace thing. Yeah. Farming and whatnot. And you feel like you did something good in the world. I've achieved something that Man. is paragon worthy. And so then you'd go to the- Where is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back to the Duke and- the Duke would say, oh, yeah, I can make you stuff that's going to preserve your life and, you know, and make you more, you know, you know, defensive, whatever. I don't know. And so you're like, I'm not going to go backtrack on my steps and find where the fish are and find where the pigs are and find. And then, yeah, it does kind of mark it on your map, but just kind of a waste of time. In a sure. Sense. Let me ask you this, though. Mm. Even with all the backtracking, mm -hmm. I think I finished the game in like 15 hours. Really? How how long did you fin finish the game? That is a good question. I think it was longer than 15 hours. I want to say 19, 19 hours, something like that. Um, I really tried to, to actually look at all the different places that I could find. I mean, I, I really didn't want to speed through the game. So like I was trying to unlock every last thing I could. Uh, I was searching for every animal. I was also looking for like the little souvenir gold, whatever things that the Duke will pay handsomely for. Um, and I, honestly, I was looking for all the different enemies to take out as well, just because I, was, I mean, literally I was, I was having a blast through this entire game. It wasn't like, Oh, I gotta make my way through. Oh gosh. I'm just going to like, I think literally the only area where I started to kind of, okay, let me see what I can do to pick up the pace here is being in that factory simply because the factory for me was probably like the longest territory out of all the areas in the, of the game. Like I was just like, all right, I've been here for a while now and you keep falling down into different levels and you're just like, Oh my goodness. Like this is my own, like, personal hell I can't get out of or whatever. So anyway, audio was awesome. When it comes to the story, we have talked a little bit about this, but I did find it interesting how um, we come to find out that through Resident Evil 7, that Ethan Winters had been, I guess, killed that during that, that time there at the, the Louisiana house or whatever. House of horror. House of, yeah. Chainsaw massacre. <laughs> but it was interesting how, um, you know, him somehow being brought back to life through the mold and the mold does exist in Resident Evil seven as well. So there's that. And his wife was also brainwashed and she had her own demons. She was having to deal with and that sort of thing. So I found it, even though I have not played Resident Evil 7, um, I was still able to get into the story in, in this game, and I enjoyed not being told everything right away up front, like just kind of really 
immersing myself more into the world and I enjoyed the breadcrumb approach that they had. Of course, toward the like last third of the game, they start really yeah. like, like you'll go into we a room. Wrap this up. Yeah, and it's like, there's like all kinds of like exposition just laid out for you. It's all real nice and tidy too. You're like, oh, here's a here's a book of Heisenberg. Here's a book of Lady D. Here's a book of Moreau, you know. But again, I didn't mind that. I was like, okay, cool. Like, cause I, <laughs> I, at that point in time, I had invested so much time into the game and gotten to know these characters at a certain level that I suddenly wanted to know more. I wanted to do a deep dive. And so it was fun for, uh, in that regard. I would have, I, I say that I think they should have gone a bit further with it because yeah, they were giving you breadcrumbs in the beginning and they did advertise the game as if, Hey, if you didn't even play Resident Evil seven, it's okay. Cause you can pick this one up and, and figure everything out, which you definitely can. There is merit to that, but, um, I would have liked to have known more about the characters. Like you said, it was breadcrumbs in the beginning and then towards the end, we're like, ah, here's a slice of bread. Here you go. Yeah, here's here's a whole yeah, loaf. Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to learn more about Miranda. I wanted to learn, I mean, there was some history with Heisenberg. Yeah. Um, I wanted to learn more about Ethan. I wanted to know about, uh, I mean, his, his, they, they, they said that Miranda had taken the form of Mia. Mm-hmm. And was Mia for a time that the, that he that she had lived with Ethan, right? And the plan was to just you know lure Ethan away, and that that she would could just take Rose. And I thought, okay, well, where does whatever happened to Mia, and why doesn't Ethan know that Mia has ever been you know kidnapped or anything? I mean, that they left that kind of blank. You know, again, I think it has to do with Resident Evil Seven. Like, if you played Resident Evil Seven, you'd have more of a bearing on that. And I think. Again, I think that there, there was a lot of supernatural craziness going on in Resident Evil 7, so much so that Ethan doesn't even realize that he was killed. I mean, he, he was somehow killed there despite him surviving. And thinking that he had saved Mia from that place when in fact, you know, Miranda and her whitey ways was able to, to get in there and kidnap Mia and then take her place with her own type of diabolical scheme like you talked about. And so that I had no problem buying into. I actually thought it was really cool. I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but they actually talk about how Miranda had connections to how Umbrella Corporation got its start. Did you pick up yeah, on that? Yeah, I did. Like, like they, they had like a whole Origins Cliff Notes story in there too, which I thought, man, that, okay, that's really awesome just simply because of the fact that Umbrella has been kind of this nebulous corporation. There's not a lot of information, which makes sense because they, they want to keep that mystique <laughs> going and that sort of thing. Advertise but, on the five o'clock news. Yeah, hey. yeah, and you, you see that icon time and time again. <laughs> but I, I think what's really cool about what they were able to do in this game was to actually give it more of a grounded sense of reality. It's not like some sort of, uh, I don't know, shrouded in mystery and fog shadow corporation, how like you got to read about how there was this other person in addition to Miranda who had their own kind of um, desire and passion to do certain things and how they were going to start this thing called umbrella and stuff. I thought that was a really clever way to weave that into RE village. Yeah. But again, it was, it was still just not enough. I, I think if they would have made the game like 30 hours and I know I'm asking a lot of double the amount of time, 
I didn't want to escape anytime soon. I'm yeah. I'll say that. But um, if they would have doubled the amount of time, because I feel like in Resident Evil, especially like one and two, that, and, and maybe four, but mostly like one and two, there was a lot more given as to the, the, the backdrop of the story, of the corporation, the characters. And I felt like I had a ton of time in those games reading through everything. There's a lot more manuscripts and stuff you could, you could flip sure. through. And yeah, you couldn't really do a lot with it, but that's more so for um, just like the history that you should be aware of. And this one, yeah, there was less, and I guess that's that's kind of okay. But then when you make the game 15 hours, um, and I wasn't trying to hustle through the game at all. I mean, I was... I looked at every corner to yeah. try and find maybe I, I want to be the guy who'd be like, Hey, just catch the one thing. If you go like South, Southwest and you, you know, and then I want to find everything. And, well, and I remember watching you play the previous resident evil games. I mean, you, yeah, you were all about looking in every right. cranny and that's part of the fun, right? Right. So, but the point is I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to finish it very early at all. I am taking my time and the game was, was, was pretty, pretty quick. And so I think if they, if they, made it longer, made more areas to explore, gave us more story. I mean, we hardly even knew. I mean, yeah, we had tidbits of all the characters, but, I mean, basically we're dropped in this spot and we're finding everything out as we go. And what to find, what, what there is to find out is, is very, very little. And we're putting the pieces together, and I guess kind of makes sense, but... I would have liked more of a deep dive, honestly. Yeah. Like this is a brand new setting for Resident Evil. I mean, it's it's huge. Another thing worthy of note is the fact that at the end, we are introduced to Ethan Winter's daughter all grown up. Right. Or at least teenager, at least. Or yeah, I mean, maybe 16, between 16 right. and 18, somewhere around there. But it becomes apparent that she's got some powers. Right. Yeah. And so that is what one of the things that I find to be uh, fascinating too is like, okay, I think there's a very good chance that perhaps she's the next playable character. And I'm cool with that. Like, I, I mean, again, it goes right back to what you were talking about regarding having fresh new faces in the, the cast of protagonist Resident Evil. It's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And once again, it really makes it ripe for having some of the, the, the tried and true classic characters come back and maybe mentor to the daughter or whatever it may be. Like, but I, I dig it. I think that that whole thing is cool. Let's pivot over to, I've, I've made a list of the various types of bosses in the game. And I just want to talk about each one briefly. Daughters of Lady Dimitris. Cause there's three daughters. They're all kind of in different parts of the castle. They torment us. They torture us. Yeah. They have uh, an amazing uh, ability to be mobile. Uh, which actually I think is pretty sweet. The first time I saw you play the maiden demo, I was like, I mean, both of those were like, whoa, yeah, like, this is uh, not what we're crap. used to. Yeah. And, and they're not exactly vampires either. Like we thought that they were vampires, but then we come to find out that no, like they, they, they do require living human blood or maybe just blood in general to yeah. sustain themselves, but they're not actually classified as vampires. But what, but, what are they classified as? I, you know, I was reading one of those like little parchment papers or something, and I don't recall exactly what it was, but it was like basically due to some of Miranda's hocus pocus science or whatever that like 
they somehow manifested themselves and and like like Lady Demetrisk, for instance, was like this 1920s noble woman or something who had been dead or something like that. And she brought her back and some of the alterations and whatnot made her like really big, but yet she has to feed off of blood in order to sustain like her look or something. I, I don't, I can't remember all the stuff. That is neither here nor there though, however. I want to know what you thought of the uh, the boss fights regarding the daughters. I I figured they would be kind of like they were. I mean, I, I did you find them exhilarating? I didn't find them exhilarating. No, I felt escaping from them was exhilarating. You were scared of them. Jeez, oh, my heart's pounding out of my just like what room <laughs> can I go in? They're just flies and they're following <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. Help me, Duke! Yeah. And then there's pestilence. So, I mean, it did take me a while to actually find the rooms where, you know, you could break open the wall and have some sunlight come in and they would, they would, uh, they would die. But I, I kind of felt that that was, I mean, that was the direction they were going to take it. I mean, it's, it's. Well, I remember it wasn't the sunlight that killed them. It was the cold air. Was it the cold? Yeah. That was the thing was like, because that basically like they, they were made of like insects or whatever, like the one thing, like their, their one weakness was being exposed to the cold, which was interesting because I tried luring out lady D into the courtyard of the castle thinking, Oh, I bet she's going to be weak too. And yeah, she, she comes out was not weak to it. But there's a time when Ethan goes, and I, th- I think this is when you're killing the third sister is that, uh, and, and that's this is the one where the, uh, the 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 chamber opens up from the top. Correct. And so he's like, "Yeah, you like that? Have a little bit of sunlight." I'm like, "Yeah, sunlight, mm, vampire." You know? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like they they went for kind of a hybrid of yeah. sorts with the the daughters, where it's like, yeah, they were kind of vampire esque, but they weren't fully vampire. They were like this other thing. I just rolled with it. it yeah, cool. that's yeah, fine. Next boss. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Uh, in my case, I found them to be quite scary in a very delicious way. Yeah. Mm. It was one of those things where like every time I encountered one, it was intense. Uh, they were up in my face, which was like, whoa. And, um, despite the fact that you, you, you would off them the same way, all three of them, uh, different points of the game, it was still cool because they were in their own kind of arena rooms. You had to figure out a way to get the cold air in. That was not the same as the previous encounter with one of the other daughters. And I also liked kind of the fact that they knew that you would off like one of their daughter, one of their sisters, right. Or like two of the sisters, you know, the last one's really pissed. Actually, in my case, I was expecting them to say something and they never said anything. Oh, really? Yeah, they never said anything. They not, said not stuff even, to me. Not even, I've heard they've, say, they've said stuff. The first one did. After I killed the first sister, then yeah, they were all talking. But after the, the second two, no one said a word. Interesting. Well, going on from that to Lady D, um, and Lady D talks about it too. Like, I mean, she knows when you offed her three daughters. I mean, she, she didn't say anything to me. Are either. you serious? I'm absolutely serious. I was expecting her to say something. She said something with the first one. She's like, Oh, you put your hands on my daughter. Ah. And then the second two, I was offed one after the other. And then she didn't say a word. I thought, Whoa. Oh man. I guess she knows who the favorite is. Right. My, <laughs> my situation was really different. Like, like by the time I had taken out the third daughter, uh, she was, 
it was like she was toying with me at first, like like before I had offed any of her daughters. And even after I killed the first daughter, she was peeved, but it was like, you know, I was more annoying to her than anything else. But by the time it was the third daughter that I went off, like anytime she saw me, I mean, she was, it was just daggers in her eyes kind of a thing. I, for one, applaud Capcom for the character design of Lady Dimitrisk, just simply because we have not seen that type of antagonist in a Resident Evil game. And I think it's awesome. I love how Capcom really led us to believe that she was the main boss of the game based off of all the game trailers and the the different announcements, the game demos and stuff. It was like, okay, she's going to be like the head honcho, right? And that wasn't the case. And I thought that, man, that is so cool because in our minds we were preparing ourselves. Okay. She's going to be like the next nemesis or whatever. Right. And instead it was like, we got a nice slice of the game to be focused around her and the castle and the territory and stuff. But by the time you take her out and her, her true form and everything else, I feel, Oh, I should say I felt satisfied that that kind of encounter had come to an end. And I was all of a sudden, like all these other areas of the map became revealed. And it's like, Oh wow. Like that's, that's why when you came in here and you're like, yeah, I took out the daughters. I'm like, Oh, 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 oh you've got a long way to go, which is a great thing, isn't it? It is. Uh, although I did feel like there were like, that was the beginning of the game. And then when that was over, I thought, okay, well, well what else is there? And then there was the Lords. And I felt like maybe that like some of the best parts of the, of the game were in the beginning in that castle, because I feel like I know more about Lady D than I do about Miranda. Like I heard, I don't even know hardly what Miranda even looks like after the first sequence when you're, you're captured. I mean, we hardly, we hardly, you don't see her at all. You well, it's intentional though. I know, but now the game's over and then we, and then, you know, that, that's it. I mean, like, like you have that moment where she, you know, after you defeat Heisenberg, she reveals herself, you know, she has some of her trees that grow out of the ground and then she's kind of showing right. off her shape shifting abilities and yeah, stuff. So a you, little bit, but here's the thing. So we, we spend like the first, a good part, pretty much all the first part of the game avoiding her. Like she's always in the background and you can hear her walking and the daughters are there too. Like you're always watching your back um, with her. And after that part's done, you're not watching your back in like the dollhouse and you're not watching your back at the reservoir. You're not watching your back. I mean, you are kind of a little bit with Heisenberg, but not really like, you know, pretty much when you're about to face him. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen in that castle. And I mean, when her steps started coming over and I can only like walk fast, I can't mm. even like, even my sprint is just a like, <laughs> Hardly even anything. I'm fearing for my life. And I didn't really feel that way uh, with anybody, any of the other bosses in the game. Well, and that, that's a testament to Lady D, right? Is that that her character design and her, you know, really like the art direction of the character. Even the, the gal who um, did the voiceover work for the character. Um, I don't know what her name is, but she did a phenomenal job uh, just giving life to the, the character overall. I, th I think that was a huge part of the character's presence. And yeah, like I, I think each one of those, those types of bosses that we came across, they just, they had a very specific design to them. 
And I think when it came to Mother Miranda, like because Mother Miranda was like the main boss of, of the game, so to speak, I think that they, they intentionally wanted to have more of these these kind of lieutenants of hers, so to speak, take the spotlight and she was kind of more in the background, which makes her that much more imposing when you finally reach her part of the game. I mean, if you, if you recall, like right when you take out Heisenberg, I mean, she's also aware of the threat that Heisenberg posed to her and she was basically like biding her time, like letting you do all the, the heavy lifting and dirty work on her behalf. And she reveals herself at that point saying, oh yeah, now there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But at the same time, I think that um, the developers really had a blast once again, creating these different types of characters, they could have very easily gone the traditional route of like, okay, we're going to have just one kind of main tormentor boss character in resident evil that we constantly come across. who's constantly chasing us or whatever it may be, but that's already been done. So how do we do something that's a bit different? It's like, okay, well let's have someone who, is a scientist who's, who's more shrouded, who has a purpose, who, you know, she has her own scheme, but maybe she's not so in your face. Because if you think about like Nemesis, for instance, the dude's in your freaking face all the time. I mean, he's like busting through walls everywhere or like he'll chase you into like the main areas that are supposed to be like the safe room areas of, of certain places of Resident Evil games. I mean, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I didn't, yeah, I, I, I didn't have a, an issue at all. I think it was it was actually paced in a way that, once again, offered uh, variety. Now, going over to Donna Beneviento, uh, so she's one who I think fits more of what you what you just described to me regarding Mother Miranda in the sense that we never ever saw Donna herself. Like if you recall, like as Ethan is. Um, brought in by Heisenberg and you're, you're kind of introduced to all these different Lords and, and Miranda, the doll, the freaking creepy little doll bride doll thing is the thing that you see, but you don't see Donna. Right. So that's interesting. And, and not once does she talk to you or anything else. It's, in fact, it's not until you actually take her out and then the, the whole like facade is dropped, the hallucinations and stuff. And then you see her face for the first time. That's someone who, I think I would have preferred to have some kind of lead up with to have some kind of like, you know, you don't, you don't have to reveal her completely to me, but there are different methods and ways to kind of build up that suspense. Donna though, my goodness, the psychological horror. I hated that part of the game. I did too. I think that everybody did. I honestly think when it comes to, these different characters and different, different places. I think that was probably like the place that, uh, everybody, if you had to ask him, what's the one part that freaked you out the most? It had to be that house. I don't want to go back there. I don't either. I want to play through new game plus and then put in a cheat code to skip that part. Keep talking. I'll be keep, I'm going to grab something here. Well, I got to go on to say, uh, Heisenberg, because Heisenberg, I don't know. I think I, I, he's a he's a cool character. Um, he was he had like the, all the magneto abilities, throwing around metal, I guess, uh, electromagnetic style. 
But my main gripe with Heisenberg was basically the the <laughs> how the how the voice actor spoke about him. I I think everybody had a good voice in the game except for him. He was just kind of the evil guy, Ethan. Well, come on over this way and we'll That sounds kind of like him. See what happens. You know, sort of <laughs> thing like are you in a are you evil Bob Barker? Yeah. <laughs> are you the, are you game show host guy in the daytime uh, and then like mean hammer electromagnetic guy in the nighttime? What are you? What are you? you know, I, I got to say one of the things that came to mind when I heard him well, a couple of things did, but but one of the things I thought of was how his voice sounded like a sales clerk from like software, etc. Something, yeah. You know what I mean? Like like if you went to like electronic boutique back in the day when it was still around, like EB Games, or like I don't know, it just it just has that kind of nerdy sound to it. But at the same time, it's like, hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such films, but it didn't have as much of that Gaston sound. It, well, yeah, you, you you really nailed like the tone. It, well, it's it's almost like if you have you like if you talk to a sales clerk who's been in the business a long time and he has certain stuff that he will say to everybody, and he's so used to saying it, it sounds crazy scripted Yeah, to the point it's corny. And that's how he came across. Sure. And so it took away the the thrill or the horror or the scare of the game because once he started to me, I'm like, I'm like, no, you're you're losing it for me. Versus, um, I mean, Lady D could say anything or the daughters could say something or, I mean, anybody else in the game for that matter could say something. It was freaking scary mm-hmm. and then heisenberg will come on and you're like eh, i'm not scared anymore <laughs> what's weird about that though is how much i didn't mind once again it's all about variety like like he yeah. could have easily had a voice that was just as terrifying as like lady d for instance but but they were intentional in how every character had a certain kind of sound to their voice and so heisenberg was more flamboyant. He, you know, he had that kind of, uh, I don't know, flair for the dramatic, but it was corny dramatic kind of thing. You know, it, it was almost like anime in a way. Yeah, sort of. But, um, you know, what was interesting about his whole situation is, so you don't really, I mean, he, he barters with you initially. Like he wants to like work with you because he understands what's happening and you keep rejecting his offer. So then he screws you over and right. you, that's when you find yourself in the factory. Tell me about what you thought of your experiences in his factory. You know, Did you find the environment fresh? Did you think it was scary? It was not. I would say it was neither fresh nor scary. I thought, man, they really dug deep underground to make this entire factory. <laughs> like this like, factory was like a, a barn on top. And then underneath it's like, it, it reminded me of Monsters Inc. When they're in that room with all the doors yes. and stuff like that's exactly I'm like, man, you guys really dug deep. That's, How long was it? How expensive? What was the tab? Th- there were certain um, <laughs> shots uh, that, that at least on Xbox Series X. I'm like, wow, this looks really cool yeah so uh i mean it, it was it didn't do much for me it, there, it was a it was a different 
vista, I guess, than the, the, the castle or outside. Um, but at the same time, the industrial part of Resident Evil is what I wanted to get away from. Mm-hmm. And so going back to the industrial But this part, was a different industrial, though. It was, but it wasn't. Like, you know, we're, we're in, the, in Victorian castles and old run-down, beat-up um, homes in this small village. And then we have, uh, you know, we're, we're attaching drills on people's arms and there's, you know, steel plates everywhere and cranes and lava, you know, forging here and there. And, and, and I don't I'm recall not, there being that in a, a previous Resident Evil title. Um, cause this had more of like a, almost like a Frankenstein type of vibe to like the people, like you, like you mentioned, like you had the, these oh, guys, like plenty of Frankenstein vibes in, in Resident Evil for sure. Well, but it's, it, they tend to be more like biohazardy kind of stuff versus like, I mean, Frank, I'm talking about like the classic story of Frankenstein where like you have these, these um, different parts of from different people that are like sewn together and like you have certain like man-made metallic parts that are there and whatnot and like that that was kind of the the feeling I got was like when I would see one of these um, monstrosities it was like you know part of their their intimidating demeanor was like you know the way that they would kind of like stalk you and walk towards you and uh, have like a drill for a, an arm or something like that and um, definitely a different, t- like, you know, any class really. Yeah. I, I, it just, it just didn't do much for me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad. I didn't, I am not going to say that, you know, it, it, it turned sour, uh, or the game sour for me, but it just, it didn't, it did something for you, which is absolutely fine. It just Ooh. didn't do uh, much for me. Um, I will say though, after like, you know, Ethan gets beat up and, <laughs> Man. Poor Ethan, man. He he just he had a really rough go of it. Yeah, he got dealt a bad deck of cards, that guy did. <laughs> but it turns out, so like, you know, he, he turns out that he's already dead, uh, sort of in the mold is what's keeping him alive and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it dawned on me in the factory, this is why I'm bringing this up, is that I was getting drilled in the gut plenty of times by those people. And then Ethan just walks off like it's nothing. So I'm thinking like nothing's going to kill Ethan like whatsoever. He's got, you know, he, he he lost the fingers. He got his hand chopped off. He gets impaled by Lady D. He's fallen through stories and wood like, you know, he should have a broken back by now. Uh, <laughs> he's gotten bit plenty of times by lichens and vampires or, like, like or those whatever. Huge lichens that would like bite his stomach. Remember that yeah. one that popped out? You're like, whoa. And yeah. yeah, like the, like, yeah, it's only ripping up his guts and stuff. I'm like this guy. And then he's just having casual conversations with people like, it's, Hi. it's, it's I'm looking no, for my daughter. Yeah. You seen her? You seen her? <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the mess. Yeah. I, uh, I'm doing okay. It's merely a flesh wound. But I'll, at, at the end, you know, it tur- I don't know. I don't really don't know what kills him. I mean, he should have been dead like 14 hours ago. <laughs> And he's not. And so then he just kind of turns kind of into stone and then keels over and dies. He doesn't bleed out. He doesn't, you know. I wonder if it had to do with the fact that they were taking out um, the main hub that was m- making the mold. You know, like that, that's that whatever that, that huge creature thing that was under the, the ground was. I think that destroying that destroyed him. You know, I, th- I think that he was really 
weakened by, you know, like, like for instance, he, he took out Miranda. I think that kind of weakened him a bit. And I also think too, like, like with the, um, the explosion, you know, the, the bomb that went off and everything else. I mean, he just took his own life at that point. Cause he realized he had to be the sacrificial lamb to make his daughter uh, survive safely. So one of the people that we actually forgot, well, okay. Before I go over there, since you brought up Heisenberg, mm. what did you think of his boss fight? That also was a, a, a takeaway for me. Um, I mean, it, a takeaway. What do you mean? It was, it, it kind of lost something for me because in the entire game, you're trying to escape being torn to shreds and using what arsenal you have to find weak spots and then whatnot. But now you're in like this, you know, makeshift kind of tank that Heisenberg made and you're using it against him. And he's, he, he looked, he didn't, he looked menacing, but he didn't look like something out of a survival horror Resident sure. Evil. Yeah. Which is not just, again, it's not bad. It's it just more, the game is supposed to be survival horror. This is more kind of just action, I guess. Um, maybe that's not a good way of putting it, but um, I, I felt threatened. I just didn't feel scared uh, by that boss fight. Yeah. It was friggin' hard. Uh, <laughs> I did like how it ended. Uh, I, it was predictable. I mean, once I saw that thing flying in the air, I'm like, yeah, you gotta get in there. You're gonna shoot the thing one last time. It'll blow up. Uh, so anyhow, I, I would have, I would have expected something a little bit different. I would have liked to have seen him more on screen. Yeah. Um, I like his character model. I mean, again, I, I you know what would have been cool is if Heisenberg came to you, and little like, you know, tidbits throughout the game. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to barter with you and he's trying to get you on his side because he doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. He was turned against his will and wants to see the same demise for uh, Miranda. Sure. And it would have been neat to see him try to be like, you know, a fake ally to you. And so you're befriending him and, and then all of a sudden he turns on you in the end and then the boss fight happens. I would have liked to have seen that a bit more because I mean, maybe like a, like a, out of frustration, he just says F it, you know, like exactly. Well, yeah, but, I, I totally agree. I, I was, I was kind of thinking about the same thing as I was playing through the game and it did confuse me how, when you were initially brought in before Miranda, how he basically does this really cruel type of like survive if you can type of thing, which is weird how that is your first impression of him as opposed to, Say, for instance, you you happen upon him in that same hallway, and instead of him like using his magneto powers to to like cocoon you in all those different like metal parts, he actually starts to starts the barter process. He you get that breadcrumb trail of story where he talks about what's going on, but he's unable to finish because Miranda realizes that Ethan is there, and so then he has to, you know, basically bite right. his tongue. Um, yeah, I think that that, I think it would have been cool. I agree with you to have done it that way. And instead of having Heisenberg being the one who initiated that, like totally messed up, like, you know, go run, survive. If you can, if you don't, you're dead kind of thing. Um, have Miranda do it have Miranda be the one who like oh. wants to test your metal on that. And that way it sets up the relationship between um, Heisenberg um, 
as someone who's who's totally different in that regard, we're like, you know, once you survive and you go through and then, and then once again, you kind of meet up with him here and there and that sort of thing, perhaps there is kind of a befriending that happens or maybe not even a befriending so much as just, um, you know, someone who could be a temporary ally. Maybe the game would even give you the opportunity, give you the choice. Yeah. Oh, golly. You see, we need to be a part of this think tank process. Yeah. I mean, God, because, you know, he's laughing at you throughout the whole game. After you're like, you, 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 you defeat Moreau. He's like, oh, <laughs> oh, Ethan. I'm like, I'm not going to trust you. You're laughing at me. I almost died. Like, why should I? And then, of course, like, Ethan doesn't trust him that, that when he's faced with the, with the, the choice. Totally. Yeah. Or not, or the, yeah, the choice of joining forces, which wasn't really much of a choice at all. Um, but it was obvious, like, you know, dude, the dude's not going to accept your offer. You've been laughing at him the entire time and mocking him. Of course, you're a bad guy. Yeah. I had the same kind of response where I'm like, ah, oh, I wish that they had kind of gone, not necessarily completely go back to the drawing table, but just instead yeah. iterate on the drawing board and be like, okay, we know these things are things that we want to do with the character. How about we iterate on just this part alone uh, because I think that probably would have made things a bit more. That would have been complicated because he's already um, he he's he doesn't like the character that he is, and so he wants to get out of this character. He wants like to go back to normal life, which is partly why he's jealous of Ethan. Right, and so now he's just dead, and we don't get to explore that. But it would have been interesting and and very crazy twist if that were to happen and, and he were to be your 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 so-called buddy but he had this this motive in the back that you didn't know and the, the whole uh, you know good portion of the game you think I've got this ally I don't know I think I think that would have been pretty darn cool pivoting over to Moreau who we kind of skipped over a bit um, Moreau was someone who I thought was also a nice addition to the lords of the the Resident Evil village in the sense that he was kind of the quintessential gross boss type. Like he, he was not someone who necessarily had the imposing intimidation that lady D had, or maybe even I would say Heisenberg may have had, but he definitely was just this toad of a character. I mean, like, like just nasty. He was, he had uh, his own kind of uh, wily ways of trying to entrap you and that sort of thing. And Seeing his his true form being in the reservoir as this huge fish thing, I thought that was super cool. Just because we again we had never seen that in a Resident Evil game, and then when it came to the, like the part two of the battle, then it was like it, it went from you just trying to figure out how to navigate across these like shanties and shacks and stuff across the water to now it's like oh this thing is like like earnestly chasing after me, so now I gotta change up my strategy. Yeah. There, I mean, there was something like that in Resident Evil 4. And so when I got to Moreau and it was the reservoir, I mean, as soon as I heard reservoir and that's where we were going, I'm like, ah, there's going to be a big fish to sure, fry. Yeah. There's going to be something there. And um, so in a way, it kind of felt like we already revisited this again. Um, in Resident Evil 4, as Leon, you have to cross over this big lake mm -hmm. and... It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't like, it was like a shark, but a crocodile or something that comes at you. I'm not really sure. I remember, just remember the mouth being really big. <laughs> and then you had like endless harpoons that you could like throw at it. Nice. And so um, anyhow, that took a bit away from me. I kind of would have liked him to be different. Um, 
because just that that the more expectation of okay, I know what they're gonna do here, the the less frightened I am, the less thrilling it is when you already know what's what's gonna about to happen. You haven't played it, so I mean, you had more of a thrill than I did, but um, yeah, I I, I kind of wish Moreau was a bit different. Okay, fair enough. We that be- that being said, I did like the 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 his carelessness. Yes. And so his carelessness was great because he seemed like he was kind of a nonchalant. He was a slob. He was a slob. Yeah, lazy, lethargic. Yeah. And so he's like... Sloth. <laughs> just watching like the static on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> like just bored out of his mind and you just like take the vial. He's like... What are you doing? Yeah, it was a lot of fun to... Uh, listen to him. Uh, I actually also really enjoyed the reveal when he when his he like took off his his coat or whatever, and you realize like just I mean his whole torso that was disgusting, <laughs> so gross, <laughs> like pulsating, like blisters and boils, and yeah, I don't tumors, even, the, even though the, the tentacle things that start, I'm just like, dude, that like it it was so well rendered. I can almost like feel what that would feel like if that was on your skin. You're just like, ah, man, this is gnarly. Well, we've talked a ton about the different parts of the game. Uh, I'd like to be able to wrap it up with just what your kind of overall, what what your concluding thoughts are on the game. So um, they did a lot of things right with it. Uh, I'll just briefly go over what we were talking about. The, The change in the enemies was a fantastic choice. The change in the locale, fantastic choice. Um, just the sheer amount of attention to detail with very little that I have seen, but even in the Xbox one base, um, it's still all there. It, um, you know, the, the, just the, all the changes that they made were very good, but I do think that they, um, they, they stopped short in the fact that there could have been, um, more to the story. They could have gone deeper. They could have made the game longer, but not in the fact of just making it longer to make it longer, but give us more story so that we can we can be even more invested in the Resident Evil series um, like we were with Resident Evil 1. When Resident Evil 1 came out, we were totally into it, 1 and 2, and then 1 and 3, and then you know, at, at that point, things got a little bit shaky. They tried to reinvent it with Resident Evil 4, and then, of course, you know here we have you know 7 and 8. But I, I would have liked it for it to be longer, uh, more in depth. Um, maybe, maybe not so. I guess can't be with some parts of the script and the acting. But by and large, those are small gripes compared to the experience that I had, which was absolutely fantastic. And um, right as I finished the game, um, I was gonna go back into New Game Plus because there's weapons I still wanted to go get. And I'm trying to hold myself back because I want to go back into the game with a new experience, having all like the textures sure. and the graphics and the ray tracing and whatnot. So anyway, when I'm trying to hold myself back to playing the game again, that, you know, that's a good sign. Now, if you were to give it a rating, we could do kind of the typical game rating, which is a numerical based system of if one was like, don't ever do that again, that was an atrocity versus 10 being a masterpiece. What would you rate it? We were going one to 10 or, or yeah. one to five? One to, I would figure one to 10 because that, that, that's kind of like how a lot of the, the different gaming uh, websites tend to do their, their ratings. I would say- Play along, why not? I would say with my experience um, on my system, 
um, which could be totally different. I mean, had I played on your system. On my system, I would say it was an eight. Okay. Eight out of ten. I, I have to admit, I had no idea what you would choose. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with, with a lot of what you said. I think that I have a little bit of a different perspective just because this was kind of like my official foray into a Resident Evil title that I played from beginning to end. I, this is the first Resident Evil game I have beaten on my own. He was supposed to come over and I was going to watch him just like old times and he ditched me. I'm getting used to the rejections. Hopefully next time he'll be able to come over. However, I do think that it being a first person shooter basically is what it was. That was something that I really dig. It's interesting because I'm playing Resident Evil 2 Remake and playing Resident Evil 3 Remake. Those are third person. They're fun in their own right, but there is something I've, I mean, you know me, I've always gravitated toward like first person type of experiences. I've always really enjoyed those games. And there was a lot to this game that I, I really enjoyed. And I can say playing it on Xbox Series X with a 4K monitor, it was a gorgeous game, really beautiful. I had um, my gaming headphones on, so I had the wonderful surround sound on just right on my ears. And I honestly cannot wait to see where they go with Ethan Winter's daughter. Uh, hopefully that's, that's the case in the sequel. We'll have to find out for sure. But having said that, I would probably give this game a 9 out of 10. Um, I don't think it was perfect. I do think that, that you touched upon some of the, the same types of shortcomings that I think I share with you as well. And it's just, it's so difficult to be able to peg like what is a, a 10 on a game. I, I'm, I've, man, it is very few and far between that a game earns that, that level. But having said that, it's very difficult to like find fault with this game. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, if I was wearing a hat, my hat would go off to you, Capcom. Job well done. I can't wait to see what else comes next. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll gain exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it financially helps us continue doing the show. Also, make sure you stab that subscribe button. Maybe tickle that notification bell. That way you won't miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, both on YouTube as well as your favorite podcast provider. You can also do a search for Joygasm TV on social media as well as Twitch to see us stream our video gaming adventure live. I love how I just butchered that. Gaming Adventures Live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Until next time, fellow compadres, we will see you next week.